This podcast is sponsored by Bethany House Publishers. Order Carved in Ebony through Baker Bookhouse and save 30% off plus free shipping. Visit bakerbookhouse.com to purchase. Hey, y'all. Welcome to episode seven of the Carved in Ebony podcast, where we share bite-sized lessons about the women of Carved in Ebony. I am the author of Carved in Ebony, Jasmine Holmes, and I'm here with my friend, the soon-to-be, very, very soon-to-be, so close, Dr. Abina Ansarait. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me, Jasmine. This oh. has been so much fun. Gosh, thank you for being here. I've, there was a, like a short <laughs> moment of time where like we just thought our schedules were not going to line up for this. And I was like, I, I, I'll do it by myself. <laughs> that wouldn't be as fun. It wouldn't. I'm so glad that you were <laughs> like, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Me but too. The episode, today's episode is one that is near and dear to both of our hearts because yes. without today's episode, there would be no Abina and Jasmine. There really wouldn't. There wouldn't. There, there wouldn't. wouldn't. Donnie Hathaway tried to bring us together. Tried. We had but some... he wasn't powerful enough. Mm-mm. You know, it, it had to be Sarah G. Sarah G. Stanley. And so once upon a time, <laughs> in a land far away, a girl named Jasmine was trying to grow her Instagram because everybody told her that as an author, she needed to have more Instagram followers and more social media presence. And anybody who is trying to be a writer in 2021 knows if you don't have a social media presence, like why are you even trying to submit a book proposal fam? Like, you know, yep. for what, for what? So I was like, oh gosh, how do I do? So I'm like sharing every day and I'm I'm super excited. I'm sharing about all these women that I'm learning about. And at this point, I don't think that I had actually signed the contract yet to write the book. I think I was I still, so. yeah, I was still kind of like, I want to write it, but we'll see. And I was trying to like show a level of interest in, in the topic. And so I had run across Sarah G. Stanley and we talked about that in the first episode, just like my experience of discovering her. So if you haven't, listen to the introductory episode I kind of go into it there and I was talking about her on the gram and Abina at the time Wachiwa (laughs) Wachiwa yep Ansa yep was I was like I'm gonna (laughs) go for it we're gonna see how it goes she hopped into my inbox and it wasn't the first time she'd hopped into my inbox the first the first time that i remember was i had said that my favorite donny hathaway song was for all we know which i love that song it's beautiful and unlike me abina can actually sing it i'm just more (laughs) like i'm not a bad singer it's you just don't want to listen to it (laughs) why are you why are you doing this right now um and so we kind of had to like talk about that, you know, a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then I mentioned Sarah G. Stanley and Abina was like, she shot her friendship shot. Uh, it just had to be done. It had to be done. I was like, someone else who knows who this is? Someone else who understands how cool this woman is? Please, please let me talk about her. I know. Because She's I'm, like, is- I'm in the archive constantly just like finding these incredible stories and just things that I never thought I could actually find. And then nobody cares as much as I care. <laughs> just didn't know, like, things that you did not know existed. Stories that you did not know existed, which is the entire theme of Carved and Ebony. So exactly. she was like, it was so funny because 
Abina was like, oh my gosh, she's like a published author. And I'm like, whatever, anybody can be a published author. You are a PhD <laughs> candidate at Vanderbilt. Like, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, just, ah. And so. We were fangirling over each other. We were definitely fangirling over each other. We started, I shot, my friendship shot was like, hey, here's my phone number. I died that, that, that day. I was like, she gave me a phone number. Like, you should use it. <laughs> You should use it. If you ever want to just like sneak up into my life and like murder me, send a black woman. Like send a black woman who is interested in this easy, stuff. Yeah. And it is easy. Like she will be able to get my address. She will get my <laughs> phone number. Like it just, I literally you know, came to jackson to visit yeah. you like within a month yep. of that dm exchange and yep. even my, my parents were literally like oh, <laughs> how did you meet this woman you're we've driving actually, we've actually met yet <laughs> especially because i'm like I've, i'd lived here for what four years at the time and had like purposefully never driven through mississippi and now i'm like i'm getting in my car to go to mississippi we're going to the capital like, of mississippi <laughs> My parents were like, well, let us know you're okay. Uh. <laughs> but you were. But I was. You and were. Like, over fine. a year later, we're very, very, very good friends. We are. It was the right decision. It was the right decision. And the decision would not have been made without Sarah, Sarah Griffith Stanley. Abina, I'm going to let you introduce Sarah G. Stanley while I take care of toddles in the background. You don't. Sarah G. Stanley was born in 1837 in North Carolina. What's notable about her is she's from the South. A lot yes. of the women we've spoken about so far, I think bar one, have been from the North. Mm-hmm. And Sarah G. Stanley has a really unique, especially for the antebellum era, is being a free Black woman from the South. Yes. Her, is it her grandfather? I always get the lineage mis- mixed I up. I want to say her great grandfather right. was a slaveholder. Her great grandfather was a slaveholder and essentially bequeathed all so much property, including enslaved property, to her grandfather. So basically, this puts by the time we get to Sarah G. Stanley's immediate line, her parents, they are wealthy. Black elites, free black elites in New Bern, North Carolina. So mm-hmm. there's a whole there's a whole book on the black elite of New Bern, North Carolina. There's it's a vibrant community of wealthy black folks in the South. Um, mm-hmm. So you can look that I've forgotten the title right now, but you can Google black elite in New Bern, North Carolina, and you'll get it. But what is even more notable is that her parents were teachers. And in North Carolina, where teaching former and enslaved people was not legal, you're not allowed to do that. That is not okay. Her parents actually opened a school for predominantly, it's predominantly Black children attending the school in New Bern, North Carolina in like the 1840s, 1850s. Mm-hmm. It's wild. And her family stay there. So she leaves to go to Oberlin College, mm-hmm. another place people should check out. The history oh, of that. There's, the history of Oberlin yes. is phenomenal, especially the Christian history of Oberlin. It's fascinating. Yes. And especially but, if we're talking about like Black women, like Mary mm-hmm. Church Terrell, and so many women went to Oberlin. So many women went to Oberlin. So that's one that she kind of breaks off and goes in that direction. Her parents stay in New Bern until racial violence in the state kind of reaches its peak 
in the 1850s and they leave and move to join her also in the same state. So that's kind of some background. But what I want Jasmine to talk about a little bit is her ethnicity. Could you dive into that for us? Yeah, I mean, notable about the Stanleys is that they could have passed for white if they wanted to. They were all very fair skinned. Mm -hmm. And to the extent where later on in her life, when Sarah experiences racism from someone who she teaches with, she's like, somebody had to tell them Mm -hmm. that I was black because I don't even I don't even look black. And that just lets you know how absurd it is. And so interestingly, there there's this whole like culture where the Stanleys, if they wanted to, could have avoided so much hostility and so much yeah. racial violence and so much, and instead chose not only to own their Black heritage, but to ingratiate themselves into Black society, like, to, to a degree that inspired racial violence against them. Yeah. When Sarah finishes school and kind of starts thinking about what she wants to do with her future, she petitions the American Missionary Association, which was, Abina, you can say this a lot more succinctly mm-hmm. than I can. It's just, the yeah, the AMA. So the AMA is an organization that came out of a, a handful of different abolitionist organizations. Well, that's a short way of phrase, framing mm-hmm. it. And so they have both foreign and domestic missionaries that their primary aim is to spread the gospel, mm-hmm. but also they open schools. So by the time that Jasmine is talking about where she's where Sarah is petitioning to be a part of the AMA, the civil war is in full flow. And so the AMA actually sent the most missionaries educated, the most newly freed people, including the Freedmen's Bureau. The AMA was a huge part of bringing education to former slaves in the South. They established churches. They had chaplains. There are Presbyterians, y'all. There are thousands of missionaries <laughs> yes. who are about the South and transforming enslaved communities into free communities. Yes. And one of the coolest carbs and ebony facts is that the American Missionary Association was responsible for educating another carbon ebony lady, Lucy Craft Laney, mm-hmm. who started a school in Georgia that Sarah G. Stanley taught at at the end of her life. So that's, that's fun. amazing. Look at that. Like, I know. Just coming, just coming full circle. But <laughs> so when she petitioned, she was very clear. Like, I'm I am a black woman. I want to do this because I am very passionate about bringing education to these people who have been downtrodden, to these people who have been, mm-hmm. you know, um, relegated to the outskirts of society. And mm-hmm. she just again, we've talked about the different ways that women have to navigate the spaces that these black women are navigating their spaces, uh, whether it's consumptive chic or a sister preacher or a woman who passes, who could pass for white, but decidedly does not. Yeah. But is still able to move through society with somewhat more ease because she appears. Yes. White. But regardless of her appearance, just over and over again, she comes against racism, even in the AMA, with people Mm -hmm. who want to teach black folks and want to uplift black folks, but still kind of think that black folks are not as good as white folks. You know, everybody everybody needs an education. So we want to do good. We want to do good to these people. But at the end of the day, these people are still a rung lower than we are. 100%. To the extent that when she arrives at the mission house, when one of the women finds out, so the mission house is where they would 
board essentially and live together one of the white women finds out that she's a black woman didn't know had to be told that she was right. a black woman and on that basis then refused to board with her mm-hmm. that's the first issue that she faces and this is among the missionaries themselves yes so just understanding again kind of as we talked before there are different types of abolition even mm-hmm. in terms of what people thought black people should you know, get what they deserved, what they, what spaces they should occupy. There are, Sarah G. Stanley is unique and belongs to a very small minority that are like, black people are equal to white people. They Mm -hmm. should be treated in the exact same way. Even those missionaries who gave up time, (laughs) energy, resources, everything to be missionaries in the South did not strictly think that. Yep. They came up against hostility. They they endured hostility themselves. Yes, from white Southerners, for the sake of people that they still didn't think were completely it's, equal to them. Exactly, exactly. And I think, especially when we're talking about missionaries, I think within the church, it's easy to just kind of you know paint that as a rosy picture. These valiant, you know, virtuous people who went to spread equality in the name of Christ. Nope. <laughs> That's not the story here, but it is with Sarah G. Stanley. And that's why I love her. As we kind of close off on Sarah, first of all, who wants to? Whoever wants to, <laughs> please go read that J Store article, Who is Sufficient for These Things? Because you get to see yes. Sarah at her best. Mm-hmm. Talk about you need to learn, relearn the ABCs, ABCs of the gospel. Of the gospel. That's my favorite quote. <laughs> my favorite. She's like, y'all are on some nonsense. What are we even here for? Like, I just get into it. Like, yep. I, just please find that article, read it. The hugest lesson from her life that I take away is like, she mm-hmm. did not, she never took the path of least resistance. No. She even got married to a white man, which the yes. AMA was not happy with and was yeah. like, I'm doing it anyway. Like, just yeah. never. She's the path like, of if least you don't like it, I'm going to leave. Yes. I'm not going to apologize for this. I'm going to leave. Totally. She is incredible. And I think what I, I think my biggest takeaway is, especially in these times where people want to, we're debating, you know, the place of social justice in the church and, you know, is it appropriate? What is extra biblical and what isn't? If you read her letters, if you read anything that she has to say, there's no division. There is, it is 100% her conviction about God and who God is and how God, you know, has created the world and his intentions for the world that then say, therefore, this is what things should be like. This is what we should be doing. This is how people should be treated. And I think I'm just so inspired by that. I feel like she gave me a firmness in the things that I believe, a steadiness Mm -hmm. that thinking that isn't heretical, it's not departing from church tradition, because this woman is part of church tradition. Women who said this, yes, like people who said this are part of church tradition. This isn't something that's from the 21st century, this goes back generations, you know? And I just, that gives me strength in my spine to just stand up and continue pursuing that. So I hope people think that, think through that a little bit as they read that chapter. Yes, yes. And that closes off the three women, the the triplets, who are all born the same year. (laughs) The next woman is actually born the year after them. So we're just going to keep the good times rolling with Mariah Herring, and it's going to be great. 
we'll see y'all then bye bye